Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the fourth installment of the Mentality Monsters podcast. And our first, where we're welcoming in a guest. Uh, we are pleased to welcome my friend Angelo Cisco. Angelo is an international speaker, a guide, and head coach at Alpha Hippie. Angelo has dedicated himself to empowering men who are overwhelmed and stuck in a cycle of stress and burnout. Angelo has helped thousands of men reconnect to their personal mission and rebuild their lifestyle so they can enjoy their lives and get back to crushing it both personally and professionally. Angelo, welcome. Oh, my pleasure to be here, King. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. So the mission, purpose, and goal of the podcast here at Mentality Monsters is to analyze what makes up a successful identity uh, through the lens of sport and athletics. Uh, we look to athletics for clues as to how to create success in life, and we share these with our audience. So, Angelo, uh, what I would love for you to do is take us and to take the audience uh, back to a time when you were competing in CrossFit and building CrossFit O'Hare in Chicago uh, and speak on specifically your belief system when you were competing um, and how that belief system informed other areas of your life, such as business and family. Wow, what a great question. Just coming out with the big guns, Cal. I love it. Uh, Self-talk and inner dialogue is, and for me, will always be a, the paramount uh, or most vital step in being successful in any endeavor. And uh, when, when someone doesn't have access to a good self-dialogue, they're actually playing the any game and even the game of life two-on-one. And to me, if you're playing the game two-on-one, you're already double-teamed, you already lost. I mean, your chances of being successful are, are really lost. And often, the a lot of competitors use a dialogue only one way. And it's usually a harsh, tough one. And I get that. And in any great hero's journey, though, there's a tough, like Rocky had Mickey, who was that tougher voice, yet he also had Adrian, which was a soft, loving voice. And a lot of competitors could go deeper and darker including myself at times, then we really had to go or it was really unnecessary at that moment to talk in the, the tougher voice when in reality a more gentler, calming, soothing, woman-embodying sort of voice was actually what we needed. You know, you're, you're safe. You could do this. I, I trust you. I believe in you. And it's not just always... Uh, go get them, run through them. Don't, you know, this is nothing, no yeah. pain and, and all that stuff because that works. Yet to me, it works short term and has more negative effects. Yet when you could access a more loving and soothing voice, 
maybe when you're not performing well out of the gate, but there's still so much time in the game, that's usually a lot better voice to hear than, may I swear? Oh, absolutely. Oh, cool. It's It's a lot better than you're a piece of shit, fucking go get them type of voice, right? That overly aggressive type of thing. And that to me is and will always be the the thing is having to know what uh, to understand your own personal self dialogue first, like be aware of it and then being able to use both and have access to both a kind of a tough Mickey corner man and also being able to tell yourself what you need to hear when you want to be safe, right? Because what slows people down usually as far as mentality and stepping into that full expression isn't really their abilities, isn't very rarely their talents, very rarely is that they put in the work. It's the negative self-dialogue, whether that be you're losing or that you're not enough. And sometimes we just need a nice woman, mama kind of dialogue that you're safe because we could express our most strongest moments when we feel safest. Now, did you first start to notice diminishing returns on using that voice within the arena of competition or in a, in a different one, perhaps with your relationships or in business? To me, this shines the most with yourself and in your relationships. Uh, the The other side takes a bit longer and I didn't realize. So what I mean by that is I could see that immediately if I talk, if I talk negatively towards my wife or if she has uh, something she wants to share from her feelings and I just kind of disregard her feelings. Yet in competition and even in business, that's what causes burnout is there's no harmony, I really believe, even in self-talk. And then so it creates this all-doing yet no feeling and then what winds up happening is you get burnt out not because your inabilities it's because you haven't tended to your feelings or that more nurturing side of self-dialogue and haven't even been able to appreciate it the other the other thing that's interesting about the professional side of things is that something that exacerbates the inner element of what you just described, Angelo, is also the fact that everyone around you in a business setting tends to not have that nurturing or nourishing mentality as well. One of the biggest struggles that I had in my own development throughout my early career was the fact that no one cared about helping me develop any sort of skill or capability that I could use to grow and succeed. And when you're younger and you don't have that reference level or that confidence, not having someone in your corner, whether it's Mickey or Adrian, has a over time a really negative effect on on your performance and your confidence and your morale. And that's I, I think that's also another big factor that causes that burnout is you feel alone. Yes. 
I would agree with you on many levels that you you can you do and you can't feel alone. My my take on this though is we must be our own inner Mickeys and inner Adrians and not we could be alone and 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 also too we would prefer it from someone from the outside but needing it from the outside and not your own self dialogue creates a dependency and so even if you since we're running on this rocky analogy is rocky 4 for instance and even in rocky 2 you see rocky becomes handicapped he doesn't even know what to do or who he is until his wife adrian gives him permission well that's a terrible way for anyone to live is that they're waiting for someone else to give them permission or access to these and so it is life can is a is a lonely can be a lonely place yet if we're able to learn these skills and develop them to give to ourselves and understand which one we need at certain moments although we may we may be alone if you're looking at someone if they're one person but if you could play both sides you're actually never really alone when did you first start to curate and develop that second inner voice the more nurturing one do you, do you recall a specific moment? You know, it's, uh, it's interesting you ask about that. Now that I look back and reflect, it's in music. Oftentimes, I would train to uh, more girl-like music. And people would be like, Angelo, what do you have? Miley Cyrus blasting and you're throwing 300 pounds above your head. And I said, there's just something about it that helps me feel my most courageous and that I could do anything today. And I would have that on. And then there's other days when I would have some junkyard Rick Ross, you know, just, you know, screw the, you know, get my bag, you know, kind of shit. I don't know what half the time, I don't know what they say. I just get a couple words in me and all of a sudden I feel that beat. But that to me was when I really started unpacking that and really taking a look at that. Hey, you know, I have great training days and some days the one I put on Tina Turner, simply the best, I get those too. What advice would you give to someone who recognizes themselves in a pattern of using, you know, I like to refer to them as road to hell motivators, which is an over-dependence on that uh, that self-dominating voice, which has utility, as you highlighted. Um, but I'm just curious what advice you would give to someone who's, who's leaning on that exclusively and wants to develop uh, a better relationship with themselves and, and develop that second voice. Yeah, I, 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 this is so funny. Uh, not, not that funny. It's just ironic, should I say, is when I'm working with men now in my program, one of the things that we do is, is I ask them all to choose their favorite girly song. And everyone laughs at me at first. And I go, choose your favorite girly song. Be listen to it every morning before you leave the house. 
And then what I say to them is choose the line in the song that resonates with you the most. Like there's one line inside of most of these songs that when it comes on, it pulls a little harder on your heartstrings. And so what I get them to realize throughout the program is that song is your female, is your inner Adrian. And that line is the line that you should tell yourself when you are in a negative place first. Because if you watch inside of Rocky movies, first it's the woman and then it's Mickey, right? So when Adrian's in a coma, when she gives birth to the baby, she comes out and she tells Rocky, come here, there's something I want to tell you. And she tells him to win. And there's that moment where you see Rocky's heart get resolve and then mickey yells what are we waiting for take us so for me the heart would be like the the jab song gets gets you in rhythm lets you know where someone is and then you come with that mean aggressive right hand which is more of that masculine tougher song and so that would be my recommendation is to start off with the that one because that anchors you into your heart and when you're running from your heart that's fuel that doesn't ever end when you run from hate or a road to hell uh that's like nitrous oxide might get you going but it's good as sure as hell burn you out quick enough yeah there's a subject near and dear to, to my heart because you referenced the hero's journey earlier angelo and really it's what put me on it was an over dependence on that voice resulting in uh, a huge number of injuries and burnout, you know, in participating in triathlons, you know, weight, various weightlifting endeavors and competitions, and eventually just broke myself and um, listened to a dialogue, you know, between two men you mutually know, Angelo, uh, you know, Mark England and Mike Bledsoe. And when they talked, when they built and presented the way the enlisted athlete, I, I thought they were inside my head, I thought they were, you know, they had such a good understanding of how someone who's fueled by that singular voice, that, that uh, over-dependence on the masculine, that I was like, wow, um, this is, this is going to cause me to take a step back and really reevaluate, uh, <laughs> you know, my existence. And it, it caused me to develop a, a calling to help others, you know, because I recognize the impact that uh, a failure to curate those two voices can have on someone. Yeah, it's a a huge shortcoming and misunderstanding. And also, too, spending uh, a significant amount of time training with music with no words. So I also am a big advocate of using some sort of um, melodic techno, like a lane eight or, or something like that. Also, too, just to get the hang of a breathing, right? So there's breathing and then there's also those two inputs yeah the breath is so key it's common that uh you know you'll you'll hear people sigh on on business meetings now that everybody's on zoom right because their their breath's trapped in their chest and and that leads to injuries you know if if, if you're breathing wrong you will hurt yourself on a date or in the gym you're going to get hurt if your breathing is is off (laughs) no doubt 
and all the other things that come with it too. <laughs> Angela, one of the one of the things that Kyle and I talk about a lot is reaction to failure. Yes. So we strongly believe that reaction to failure is one of the most important adjustments you can make when you're thinking about how to create success in your life. And it's the core of mastering anything because when you set out to do anything, you're, you have to understand that you're going to fail a lot more sure. than you're going to succeed. Absolutely. And every failure is an opportunity to learn and grow. So building that fortitude and that resilience to failure is important whenever you set out on any journey. And you, you just talked about like the, Adrian voice and the Mickey voice and you know, feminine love and, and that motivational hate. What was the catalyst that made you realize that it was healthier to lean on that Adrian voice in times of failure instead of the Mickey voice? Or how do you, how do you, how did you develop that mindset? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot of my personal inner work in the early phases was learning how to even get in touch with that side of me uh, on a you know true understanding and emotional level i don't really believe a lot of people understand it especially anyone that is a strong doer i don't think it has to do with any gender bias if you're just a strong doer head down kind of grinder uh, more than likely you disregard your feelings and possibly suppress them and i am not saying that that's not the right choice what i'm saying and is that it's not a forever choice in the moment it's necessary at times to completely disregard your feelings and and deliver as a professional and then there's times that we all must tend to them and you want to tend to them before you need them. You want to tend to them. You want to fill up your car before the gas is out. That's the best way I could say it. And so a lot of my journey was reflecting on, first and foremost, my relationship with my mother, which is how we've all learned and understood what this energy even looks like or could be like. And that was the gateway for me to really learn more about my heart and and what that was really saying, really wanting for me, and ultimately me being able to access it and trust it. Yeah, it may have even been you, Angela, where I, I heard this, that the mother, we were once the same person. So in our infancy and development stages, we tend to look to that person for how to treat the self. Yes. And then the, the father figure is shapes our worldview, how we look at the outside. 100%, bro. And, and face with three distinct, you know, options or possibilities at each crossroad. Mimic what they do, do the opposite, or freeze up mm -hmm. when faced with that specific junction. And so to your point, the relationship with the mother um, is about self-care. Um, and this is, this is a concept I've uh, explored in, in recent years as well. Um, Angelo, I know you, you resonate with being raised by Italian women. So yes, there's, there's certainly a lot. Uh, 
I, I recall you uh, talking on a podcast about becoming a lighthouse for your family, how the Italian mother, you know, whenever they noticed there was anything wrong, um, you know, with you, with your day and, and your demeanor, they would just want to sit you down and, and make you your favorite meal. It's that holding energy um, to, to nurture the situation. So it's transitioning from being one who's receiving that all the time to one who's creating it. And instead of outsourcing it, you're insourcing it. Yes, 100%. It's, you said it perfect, insourcing and outsourcing. I couldn't have said it better. Could you offer an example of the benefit of having the feelings-driven, nurturing voice combined with the masculine go-getter voice uh, and just a, a success of yours personally that you've had since those two voices are combining? Well, first and foremost, if you want to be an adult, I really believe that a fully function adult should have as little dependencies and codependent relationships as possible. We could have preferences, yet not needs. We must fulfill our own needs. And if not, we're allowing and serving up to a outside source. And when that outside source doesn't come through, we just blame them and, and, and channel down into a bigger victim. And so, or if they're not there or not available, right, we're, we're lost. And to me, the game of life is to become the most stress resilient and tolerant person that I could possibly be. And if I'm giving at my heart away and not able to use it, I'm just like missing one of the most and biggest parts of me. So that's uh, that's my take on the first part of your question. May, can you repeat the second one for me, brother? Yeah, just uh, an example of a success in your personal life since you've really developed that. Uh, yeah, okay, I got it. So this is how I structure my day. And it's it, they're all about rituals, not routines. I really believe that routines is the worst word that you could give any part of your day as an adult because it gives a good or bad men, uh, idea to them, you, you know, or good boy, bad boy. And so I love rituals because rituals could change and have fluidity to them. And then you give yourself what you need, not what you planned. And being able to give you what you need is more important in that moment than what you thought you would need. And so what I do is, is I wake up every morning and I do some form of self-care or prep, self-practice for the day to harmonize myself to feel the most abundant and ready to step into my masculine because my work life I deem as more of a hunter, more um, less tending to my feelings and more just black and white. Did I get it done at work today? And as long as I tended to my heart and gave my body what it needed, I could go then for a day and know that I, if I'm not honoring my feelings, I've already tended to them. And also, too, then I'm not bringing my feelings to an area like work or business that they're just not made for. 
And I really feel like people struggle at work because they haven't checked their feelings first. And so they blame it on the boss or a manager or whatever, the, the employee, the, their, the coworkers, a dick or whatever. It's just like, no, you don't take care of your own feelings. So you project them onto other people. And then when I'm done with my day, and this is the one part I think a lot of people misses is I have something called a recognition ritual. And at the end of my day, I get home and before, I mean, sometimes I do walk in the house, obviously, to get some certain things together to do this ritual, whatever I feel like I'm doing. But here's an example of what I do for a recognition ritual. I get home and I roll myself usually a 50-50 spliff and I go on my front porch and I sit and look at the sun and look at look outside and look at this big world and I put on music and the first song is a song that anchors me back to my mother. It's a song that I have that uh, that I listen to that reminds me of my mother and what it does is it triggers me right back to my heart. And then I start looking around even more and I start feeling more gratitude. Right, because that's what recognition is. It's celebration, it's gratitude, it's thankfulness for the day. And then I have a song that I play that reminds me of my wife and I's love and how beautiful that is and how much I really do cherish it. And then I have a two-year-old son and I play a song that reminds me of him and how wonderful and glorious this curious little boy is and how beautiful he is and how grateful I am to be his father. And I usually have a good cry and I recognize how beautiful my life is. I recognize how grateful I am that I did what I needed to do so my family could have dinner today. And then I, you know, depending on the length of that needed, sometimes I play more songs, sometimes I don't. I just look at the sun and look at the ocean and look around and remind myself how grateful I am and how small I am. And you can put the sword down for today and turn that all off because there'll be plenty of hunting tomorrow guaranteed. And then I step into my house and then I don't, think about, I try my best anyways to not think about work. I usually turn off my phone and then I get to be just Angelo, the nobody, not nobody, but just Angelo, the regular dad that does dad things. I cook dinner for my family. And then my wife and I try to stay sane for a couple more hours till my son goes to bed. And then I get to play with my chick and have fun with my wife and uh, be Angelo and Rocio. And then I go to bed and I do it again. That's beautifully said. Yeah, and it reminds me of a, a concept of that there are certain tasks that you do in a day that require willpower. And so if your job requires willpower, doing the dishes also requires willpower. Cooking dinner also requires willpower. So if you have nothing that is supplying you with more of it, then you're drawing from a source that will ultimately be empty at a certain point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, where most people will say, well, do what you love for a living and you'll never work a day in your life, right? Where your, your job requires no willpower. It's like, well, 
I'm not necessarily sure there's a job that requires no willpower whatsoever. To, to your point, you love what you do and it requires willpower. Right? Like you, you put on a certain face, you present yourself a certain way. There's a degree of theater to what you do that requires willpower. It absolutely does. And so you're you're sourcing you're sourcing willpower from within from those those rituals, which uh as Fred just said, it's beautifully said. And uh, anyone who can explain their day that simply shows how routine, excuse me, how ritualistic it is for them that they've, you've pulled apart everything that you could within yourself to identify what you need. And now you're giving it to yourself. Yeah, it's, it, it comes from a lot of awareness, a lot of trial and error and compassion and grace to do that. And also too. To be fluid with it, it's a ritual, it's a practice, it's not a routine, you know, uh, some, here, here's a, for instance, um, this weekend I was up in Santa Cruz with some friends at a beautiful get together and I drove my family up there and stayed up real late and drove back and that was, you know, a lot on me. So I gave myself permission on Monday to sleep in a little bit. And then Tuesday, I, I wanted to sleep in more, but that requires willpower discipline. And I said, no, you're done doing that. And then I woke up and I played jujitsu. I played jujitsu Tuesday and Wednesday. And then I ran really hard as far as when I say ran, I mean, I showed up a lot Tuesday and Wednesday in my masculine at work and, um, I was really grateful for that and a lot of my masculine too providing stability for my family in certain areas or showing up in certain areas and then this morning my my self-care was i did a lot of breathing and a lot of stretching and that's what my self-care practice was this morning and i didn't use jujitsu right and so it's and then tomorrow um I'm already feeling like I want to lift weights because uh, there's for me too. I choose the self care based on looking at my day. And so tomorrow I have um, our alumni call for the alpha hippie Kings. And uh, when I do things more masculine in the morning, I show up more regal should we say so <laughs> picking up and putting down heavy things helps me show up that way today my focus was finishing up the introduction to the book i'm writing more introspective more creative day and so yeah. my ritual this morning was more gentle more opening more softening than someone strangling me or me trying to deadlift something heavy and so it's all really just a call to be aware of what I need and choose an intentional tool to give me what I need and not just develop a routine or dependency or dogma superstition based on what I should do. It's more about, no, this is the window. I have a two hour window. What do I need right now in that window to help me be at the, what I want to be at the end of it? And then I choose what activity on that moment is going to give me the best outcome for what I 
want to show up as after, not just I need to go work out five days a week because that's what people say, and I'm going to go lift weights five days a week. I love the framing of rituals versus routines because one of the things that whenever you're trying to create a new habit or change a bad habit, one of the hardest elements of that is molding your environment to support that habit or support that goal that you have. And what you're describing when you say ritual versus routine, to me, what that pulls out is you're talking about molding your lifestyle around these things that you want to do and then giving yourself the flexibility and freedom to accomplish that in whatever way is appropriate on any given day. And so it becomes easier to achieve whatever it is you want to achieve because your environment becomes way more fluid and can adjust to the peaks and valleys of your day-to-day -day life. I, I do this. It's, it's nowhere near as beautiful or wonderful as what you described. I, I do this. Well, maybe it is. It, it is. So yeah, I do, it's, it's, yeah. Hey, buddy. It's, this, beauty is no, no, in no. the eye this, of the beholder, King. This, sure I was is. being self-deprecating. I'll admit yeah. that. I, my beautiful version of this is I practice intermittent fasting. And I do it very intensely. So I'll, I'll, I'll fast between 19 and 21 hours a day. The only days that I don't fast are on Fridays and Saturdays because those are the days that I've come to an agreement with my fiance that that's the time in our week that we're going to spend together and conduct these rituals that we have that allow us to express our love for each other and really be present in the moment. So we'll play board games and snack. I'll make dinner, same way you do. Um, we'll eat dinner. You know, <laughs> I don't really don't eat dinner. <laughs> Uh, those types of things are are really important to me. And now that you set, you've made the distinction of ritual versus routine, I'm starting to realize that a lot of the most successful elements of my day to day have been rituals instead of process oriented routines. Yeah, it's yeah, it's well, perfect. It's all about harmony, bro. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw my hat in the ring here as well and say, you know, upon waking. I'll go outside for a walk and look up while I do it rather than down at the ground. Um, because I, I believe that that's indicative of, of how I'm going about my day, right? Are things looking up for me? Right. And there, and there's more color and different shapes at the tops of the trees, right? Indoors, there's a lot of rigidity, right angles and all of the cabinets and counters. And you just get that opportunity to breathe the outside air and look up and, that creates, as you said, Angelo, that 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 feminine energy of nature mm -hmm. informs me on then how to show up in more masculine fashion in the in the, the the rigidly planned daily activities, and so that's something that uh, is a daily practice for me. And then uh, I'll gauge, you know, how the body feels and, and what it needs in, in other windows throughout the day, whether or not I do something that is you know, rigorous or, or more demanding physically. Um, and I'll, I'll work in uh, a lot of flow work, rope flow. Um, I have a pair of Indian clubs that I'll, I'll work sometimes to keep the shoulders loose. The keyboard is often, you know, we're in front of it, we curl the shoulders forward. So I've just a pair of Indian clubs. And what I love about these different tools, each of us in different ways, 
you know, for you, Angelo, it's music and, and, you know, a couple of different things. When you're doing flow work and when I'm doing the Indian clubs, there's pattern interruption to the, to circular thinking. Like I, I get into a, a specific pattern of thinking about work or about a day, which if it's ever depressive or negative, now I have a, something to lean on to get out of it because I'll go into a new pattern with the club or a new pattern with the rope intentionally. Like, oh, wow, I just kind of discovered a new way to slip that or a new way to, to engage this or that. And it's an exploration of other possibilities within the arena of this one specific task. And then that bleeds out, you know, for the rest of the day. That's it. It's, it's choosing its intention. And when someone's younger and, and maybe doesn't have uh, willpower, like you said, or discipline, a routine may be a great, great idea yet once you know that you can embody discipline for a long period of time throw throw the routine away i'm 30 i'm almost 38 i trust myself that i could be disciplined at this point and know what that's like and so being more fluid with it makes it more fun it keeps things, you know, you could add novelty to different things. You're open to try new things. And like I said, nothing's wrong. And then that's great because you give yourself exactly what you need when you need it. I approach this by evaluating my day based on whether or not I'm doing things that give me fulfillment. And I defined that fulfillment by examining my core values really in depth. And so one of the one of the rituals that I have is I'll call my family members because I am now starting to realize that people are getting older and they're not going to be around forever and so I want to value the time that I have left with them. And it's that fluidity and flexibility that you're talking about that I love. It's as long as I'm doing things that I can classify as being fulfilling then I will wholeheartedly enjoy whatever it is that I'm deciding to do that day. Agreed. For sure. Life, life, liberty, and the pursuit of satisfaction. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. So, Angela, I would love to um, you give you the platform to talk about the Alpha Hippie program and additional concepts that you teach You know, men who are undergoing your program above and beyond what we've discussed already here today. Yeah. So th thank you so much. So the Alpha B program that we have for men is really geared around a lot of the things that we spoke about. And first and foremost, it's about getting to their heart. A lot of men, uh, they, they fall under two categories. Most times one there's a lot of hard chargers out there, a lot of doers that haven't really had time to access their heart. And then there's the other side that look at the heart as a rest stop instead of a pit stop. And that's, that's a side that I really feel that doesn't get spoken to a lot about is the heart is a pit stop, not a rest stop for men. 
and anyone I would say that wants to advance in their life because it's so nurturing by nature, it doesn't have advancement or action. And so it's not only important that we learn how to access it, develop a health and understand it about ourselves and our past, but also develop a healthy relationship with it that I think most people don't understand. You either underuse it or overuse it. It's very, very rarely in my experience when I meet a lot of men used properly or understood. Some people don't ever pit stop. Some people make it a rest stop and then they're stuck in their lives. Anytime someone's not advancing in their life, I go, you're just stuck in some form of nurturing energy too long and nurturing energy too long turns out to be depression or anxiety. And then, then what we look to once they're able to access their hearts is now a planning phase and a planning phase of looking at and architecting now that you know that you have access to the truest part of you, your heart, or some may call it your soul, what kind of life are you trying to create now? What kind of intentional life are you trying to create? And then the last phase of the 12 weeks is dedicated towards understanding what you're going to have to do from a language, actions, and uh, day-to-day habitual or habits that you must develop in order to achieve it. You know, I, I, I have a few fundamental back frames beliefs that we really teach is um, the heart inspires, the brain conspires, and the balls make the fire, right? And when those are in line in that order, hard to stop anyone. And then also, too, uh, a theory I developed called identity alchemism. Your thoughts equal your words. Your words equal your actions. Your actions repeated equal your habits. And that equals your outcomes every time. And if any step along the way is not dressed, understood, and done appropriately to the outcome, there will always, binary language, acknowledge and accepted, be a shortcoming or pitfall. It's just not a, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And that is, you know, I'm not going to give every other part of the program, right? But that's just sort of the, the backbone framework of really what I in, help men and guide men to do. I don't help them see anything that's not already there. I'm a liberator. I'm not a, an adder. I really believe that this is all there. They just haven't realized it or c- connected to it or reconnected to it in a long time. These are all parts of us. And my job is to just hold yeah. up the mirror and make sure someone's ready to to really address them in the most safest, confident place and guide them through any there, any place there and support them. And it's been an absolute privilege to do it. And uh, Alpha Hippie is also a podcast. We have a podcast. Cal, you've been on there. And I've been rocking Indeed. the podcast since 2018. I think we're around 250 episodes or so. I've been I've been at it a while in that game. I, uh, Alpha Hippie actually started as a name I gave myself 
the deeper I got into my own self-actualization work. And it was just a passion project at first of having an ideal or identity, and then it turned into a podcast. And then I realized that my coaching, my identity of being a coaching guide was always going to be a part of me. It was just no longer called to just teach fitness. And then I stepped more into men's work. And that was simultaneous when I still had the gym. Before I even moved out here, I was running programs in, in Chicago. And uh, I live in California now in SoCal. And uh, this is where we are right now with Alvipi. And now me being able to primarily, not primarily, solely focus on Alpha Hippie over the last year and a half, things have really just gone to other levels. I just finished this afternoon, gentlemen. I uh, I wrote a book, and it will be out uh, by the end of this year, early next year. I wrote the introduction today. I already had the book written out, and then today I wrote the introduction about a half hour before I recorded the show with you guys. And so that's the last thing I needed to put together. And now it's off to editing and making sure I didn't miss all the commas and, you know, all that right stuff. And uh, so I'm super excited about that. And just my evolution as a podcaster, as a speaker has, has really changed. And then obviously to the ability to me to be focusing more on, coaching men in psychology and understanding that for a lot of men, we don't realize that our bodies do not stop developing much like we breathe and we don't give it much thought yet developmentally uh, many things are not where they need to be. And for many men, even though you're embodying a man body, and doing some things that may be great for men. I have not yet a man, met a man, including myself, which I'm continually working on. It still doesn't have boy-like tendencies and didn't understand them for quite a while. And in order for me to step into my best self and all the roles that I've taken on, I've done a lot of work to ensure that I'm the best man that I could be. And then I take that work that not only have I learned intellectually, I've done it to myself so I could feel it. And now that I teach it, I know what I know even on a higher level. Yeah, you live the angle. Oh, I do it, baby. I'm true Uh, to the game. I will say that. I'm very true to the game. It sounds like, you know, for, for listeners who are looking to get into the personal development, you know, arena, Angela, you're someone that, that weeds the garden, right? There's a yes. ton of ton of advice out there on how to plant more seeds, and you're yes. someone who helps weed the weeds so that the seeds people are planting can grow into, into what they envision. I'm pro-subtraction, very rarely addition. Yeah. I really believe that people are adding more and I have a, I used to, okay, this is kind of funny. I used to have an apartment, uh, a one bedroom apartment, you know, when I was single and the whole living room was whiteboards 
and I didn't have any furniture. I had a big love sack and a TV on a dresser, but I didn't have, and so I had a lot of room and stuff. And any time I was up against a problem, I had this board of wisdom with like really good questions to ask myself. And one of it always was, is what can I subtract to solve the problem? Because it's so quick to think about what can I do or add yeah. to solve the problem. And I really believe what men need is liberation and, and removing that addition. Because adding just creates more adding, in my opinion. Did you meet your wife when you lived in the Whiteboard Palace? Oh, for sure. We lived there till we moved out here, bro. What, what was it? <laughs> what was her reaction the first time you brought her home and you just had an empty apartment full of whiteboards and a love sack? My wife was my dear friend way before I married her. So she already <laughs> knew I was fucking crazy, bro. <laughs> she was down for the ride. She knew I was... Uh, If someone doesn't, we are all going to be obsessed with something. Might as well make it something healthy and serving of your greater good. It's just the way. Hey, agree goes. to that. Agree right. to that, my friend. So my wife was happy that my obsession was about growing and thinking abundantly having these vast thoughts and having a crazy mind that I would draw on my walls and being curious about things and unrestricted and guys i mean just imagine how cool it'd be your whole room is whiteboards you got all the colors you could write <laughs> anything draw anything my friends would come over and we would just hang out and draw stuff together i mean it was it's really nice it's it it actually encourages creativity instead of a lot yeah. of things what people have in their house uh, cre uh creativity and connectivity yet a lot of things that are in a lot of people's houses are based on distraction and lack of connection and so for me i was really happy to have that type of house and so she was down with it too because it was different and not what everyone thought they needed it it's so great that you say that because what what you described everything in your home being about distraction and not connection is why I love board games so much because they create that connection and they eliminate those distractions and they centralize your focus to allow you to be present with people, with the people that you're with. It resonated with me and, and I love that a lot. Dude, and, I believe you, you. I love it too. It, you told me that's, uh, you describe moments like that as when you're with the guts. With the guts. You're 100% present. Every sense of you, like every, to me, when, when, when I say you're with the gods, all of your senses are together, working together in this one moment. And there's nothing else that could be pulling you one way or the other. There's no multitasking when you're with the gods. You're either with them or you're not. And uh, when there's less distraction, you have the best chance to be present. And that's all I hope for is to be present. Because when I'm present in any moment, I know what to do. I don't have to think about it. But when I'm split in all these different places, that's where a lot of insecurity or uh, uncertainty in myself could show up.
what's something you want to leave the audience with here as we uh, come to our conclusion? Get every man you know to sign up for my program <laughs> and buy my book, please. <laughs> no, uh, give yourself grace as much as you can along your journey. I really wish I gave myself grace, and I define grace as loving acceptance. And for most of my life, and even now, it's not the godliness in me that I struggle with being. It's being human. It is making mistakes. It's being fallible and and addressing even my own mistakes. And the fact that I could laugh at myself now when most of my life I couldn't laugh at myself yeah. was really something I was missing out on, taking myself way too seriously and holding myself to a standard of perfection that just truly is unattainable. And I wish anyone that feels that way, that they must be perfect, to, to take yourself off that crucifix as soon as you can so that you can start enjoying life every fucking day. Beautifully said. It's a mic drop moment. The only thing I have left to add to that is please give Angelo a follow um, on social media, the uh, I Am Alpha Hippie, as well as uh, an Angelo Cisco YouTube channel for Alpha Hippie as well. Like and subscribe on that channel. And uh, yeah, please and do. Please, any feedback too from any listener on anything. I, listen, I, I look at all the DMs and stuff like that more than I look at posts. So please send us any feedback. Yeah, absolutely. And additional to that, folks, please like and subscribe to the Mentality Monsters podcast. We're on Spotify, iTunes. Please leave a review as well. I'm anything you can do to continue to support us so we can continue to serve you. Angelo, thanks for joining us here today. It's a pleasure. Gentlemen, great pleasure to be on your show. And uh, it's hard to believe that you guys are only getting started in your podcast career because I've been on quite a few shows and hosted different podcasts and things like that. And you guys are two wonderful professionals. And I mean that very much. It's been a great pleasure.